you, why, why do you say these things after I hit record? Now I have another bit that I need to make a conscious decision to not use it against you. You keep giving me these things. You're welcome. <laughs> it's not from me. It's all over the internet. That that's what you do, so I feel safer around you, right? You give me all exactly. this all this ammunition in case I feel threatened or anything. Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to be inclusive by giving you fodder against me. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. All right. Um um, I also don't know why people don't listen to an episode called Nephilokosugia. I don't know. I found it funny when I called it that way. <laughs> makes you wonder, right? <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder. Should have called it differently. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We have about 450 listeners. That's pretty cool, I think. That's good. Imagine that a room uh, filled with 400 people. And that's who we perform for tonight. So what are you singing, Lydia? Uh, I don't think you want to hear me sing, honestly. Oh, I do. Now I do want to hear you sing. <laughs> I have a reputation of being like the fourth voice in songs when there's only one or two okay. normally. So yeah, I see you do Sebastian, not want to listen, listen to me sing. <laughs> Sebastian, you brought your ukulele? Yes. He can make oh, it appear. It's a magical magic. ukulele. It I, I, I need to play with his background. It's funny. <laughs> See it? It disappears. Yes. I even bought another instrument. Ooh. 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 Triangle. Ooh. Those little jingly things. Ah. This. It goes on my foot. This goes on your feet or something, so, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Describe it for our listeners because when you say this goes on my foot, that can be a lot. <laughs> I have no idea how you. Do, what is this called? Uh, it's like symbols on a foot, right? How do you call this? Like a tambourine? I don't know. They have a special. So name whenever you stomp with your foot, you make noise. Now, exactly. It's to cover my horrible singing. So I try to to play <laughs> this really hard with the with the ukulele, and I've been looking at the. Um, laws, the local laws, so I can play in public and make a living finally in this life of misery. And it turns out every town and village has their own laws. Um, in some cases, and it's not a joke, you have to perform in front of the police and they will give you an authorization if you're deemed eligible to be a street musician. No, they don't check whether you know how to sing properly, but they <laughs> apparently just make sure you have at least a repertoire of at least 10 songs or something like this. Um, this is some of the towns. Uh, some other towns charge you anything from five francs, about five euros, four euros for a day of performance up to, and I'm not joking, in my village next door, it's 50 francs a day, almost 45 euros. I don't see how you can make a living if you have to pay the town 45 euros every single day you, you want to perform, and there are restrictions in all the towns, you can't stay in the same area more than 20 minutes. You have to move more than 300 meters every 20 minutes. You're not allowed to use a microphone and a loudspeaker either in most places. Now, thankfully, in Zurich, it's one of the few cities in Switzerland when there is no fee. I like free stuff. And uh, you can you can perform by the lake. So... But makes a lot of competition. 
everybody Indeed. is now performing by the lake because it's free in Zurich. Exactly. So knowing that I don't know how to sing or I sing out of key, it's going to be a challenge. But my goal is to make at least one franc if I <laughs> dare do that. And I don't accept cash. I actually prepared a sign which goes to a specific website address where people can pay, can pay in Bitcoin because I want to be a modern street <laughs> musician. This is going to be a huge success, I can tell you. <laughs> I, I, I can see the... Why are you laughing, Lydia? If you go to pay.sep247.com, you will find all the ways you can pay me. PayPal, Bitcoin, and Twint, which is a system that works in Switzerland and is free to use. So... I've dedic I will put this on my little cardboard like a homeless person. I don't accept cash, but I take Bitcoin. Go to this address. I'm I'm hoping to be ready by 24-7. All it's, right. It's a, because of 24-7. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And this is the sound of the coins getting into my Bitcoin wallet. We can't hear it. Why? It's muted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very quiet yeah. Bitcoin wallet. Helps that it's electronic and wouldn't make that any is, sound. That is perfect. That is your ambition. <laughs> a mentee. I can't believe it. It's filtering anything that is not speech. I just removed the setting. You can hear it now. I can't oh. believe it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have the setting. Yeah, that was I, really I, precious, Sebastian. I guess you cannot Thank hear me with moment. my ukulele up to now then. I was playing at the beginning. Did you not hear anything? No. Oh my God. Great. I was playing at the beginning. No? no. We can hear it. You, now you can you hear it, right? I can hear it. Yeah. So give it to us. This is the first chord that we're hearing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It I'm filtered everything. This is so good. This is really impressive. <laughs> I was playing at the beginning. Yeah. When you, I was doing the stupid... No. Look, I had this on my, on, my, on my shoulder since the beginning. I was playing. <laughs> and I thought, okay, the guys don't give a shit because I play so bad. Okay, whatever. The guys okay. playing this now. Now, 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 come, come on, give us uh, a little bit more. Yeah, that's all you get. Woo. I want to hear hey. the coin, my Bitcoin wallet. Let's record. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm recording. recording. <laughs> I'm recording. Shit, let's start. <laughs> that's what I meant. Uh, let's record the dumbass. <laughs> you know who said all this shit up to now? <laughs> oh my god. You know how it is. We have a beginning of the podcast and then the real beginning of the podcast. Hello, fellow debaters. Hello, Lydia. Hello, Sebastian. It's been a while. How have you been? How the heck are you doing? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. It's summer now. We can go to concerts. Woo. Shows are back on. That's cool. So, yeah. Feeling good. How about you, Sebastian? Feeling good. It's summer. It's raining. It's only 19 degrees Celsius. <laughs> and people are not attending my concert because apparently I mute myself without <laughs> realizing it. That's pretty dumb, isn't it? But my Bitcoin wallet is up, um, or rather the address where you can direct your Bitcoins, even if you can't hear me. I mean, at least you get the pleasure of not hearing me. 
which is probably better than hearing me sing. So I'm fantastically well. <laughs> same here. Same here. I, I watched Lydia uh, when we connected to this call. I watched Lydia drink, uh, cheering me with a glass of white wine. And uh, I think she is trying to dump herself down for our level of debating <laughs> skills for today. Like, I tried uh, to explain to Dirk that I'm just trying to get relaxed after <laughs> some busy days at work so that I can be in good dispositions for this debate yeah, and then, not like, lash out at you at the first. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, a, 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 a little bit of aggression goes a long way when it comes to winning debates against Sebastian. <laughs> so I don't drink alcohol. I'm not aggressive and I'm vaccinated. So hello. <laughs> I am totally calm and healthy. Very good. And I think we're all vaccinated or almost. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Got my second shot last week. Yay. Yeah. And I'm getting my second shot next week. So Very good. joining the club soon. So hopefully things move. That's a good thing. So two, two precious people less I'm worried about. That's good. <laughs> um, all right, then we have, we have three debates, three Go debates ahead. today. Yeah. I was saying the same thing. So take over. Take it away, Sebastian. You're the performer here. So we have three debates today. <laughs> as Dirk was saying, uh, each of us, as usual, came, came up with a motion. So we're not going to talk about Israel and Palestine. Apparently, there was not a motion that was very uh, much appreciated. <laughs> Uh, to say the least. So we'll have one motion, which is not that. We'll have another motion by Dirk, and we'll have another motion by Lydia. How's that for an intro? Wow, three motions. That's a totally new concept. It's almost like three debate. Exactly. Three debate and two debate. You get actually three for the price of two. Yes, that's what it is. That's how we keep the domain name. Three for the price of two. Two debate.net. Wonderful. Yeah, because it's sales period right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's like... I don't know if you have this in... uh, Do you have this in in Germany? It's a French thing, I think, because in in Switzerland, we don't have this. Six months, every six months in France, you have six weeks, two six-week periods of sales and shops. So yeah, it's the do. winter sales and the and yeah. the summer sales. We do the same thing. I believe that's a European thing. I don't think the uh, um, they have that in the US, don't they? They they in the US they have all sorts of other excuses like Friday. Uh, Black Friday and Prime Day mm-hmm. and whatnot day, Crazy Monday. <laughs> yeah, they don't um, have this in Switzerland either. We so do, if, we do if the you same say European. Thing. So yeah. the, we we claim we claim in Germany we um um or at least when I I grew up I believed the winter sales and the summer sales is for the shops to empty their their storage basically correct yeah but in reality they basically stock up specifically for the winter sales and the summer sales so so they, well in theory it's not allowed right there is strict regulation yeah. so in France it is regulated it's supposed to be in shop for a few weeks at least prior to the sale period. And the and the prices has to be explicitly marked with a exact pricing that was before the sale mm. period and during the sales period. But in other countries, it may not be as regulated. So all these fake discounts that you see on online shops in maybe other countries may well are more like, more like most likely fake. So if you're buying anything online, you should just be happy with the price and that's it, and not care about the discount. Even though it works psychologically on anybody. And. You should just not buy online if you can avoid it. <laughs> well, how would I get my... Uh... <laughs> so that could be a subject for debate, for a, for a future debate. 
You should uh, what Maybe is next month. buying stuff online is evil or what is the future debate? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Okay. I, I did not prepare for this. Yes, I think Lydia, you're all for short circuits, short circuits. Yeah. I don't know how you say in in English, you know, like local consumption, local production, local consumption. And yeah, and even if it's not local products, then try and go to your local uh, shop to buy stuff, local library, local whatever it is, uh, rather than buying on Amazon. Always go to the Because local drug dealer. Do you, uh, Sebastian, what do you take? <laughs> I don't have Amazon yeah. so uh, I mean, in, in Switzerland, so I can't buy my drugs on Amazon either. Yeah, we came, <laughs> we came very close to debate whether or not the dark web is evil incarnate and we are not debating this today but we came very close <laughs> and on the dark web we would have we would have argued over drugs <laughs> we should have an episode about the non-debates the non-debates debates that almost came to be exactly and debate about those yes all right <laughs> so uh what uh now that we talked about all the things we are not going to debate today What are we going to debate today? Before Who's we, going we first? debate, I think we, you, we should tell our listeners about our what you told us before we started recording about our crowd uh, for the last episode. We should cheer ourselves that we've, <laughs> we've, we've, we've yeah, made a we, record. We doubled the numbers. We're not telling our listeners if it's 50,000 or 100,000 yeah. people that are listening to us on an ongoing basis, or maybe even 450 only, but it's like double the number that we normally have. So last the last episode clearly made sense to more people than usual. And uh, I, I think it was because we we wrote something about NFTs and stuffed animals. So either one or the other was... <laughs> was a crowd pleaser so maybe maybe we find oh, yeah. we can do a, an ab testing by calling today's episode something with stuffed animals so cheering for the audience <laughs> <laughs> with my two dollar toy very good but we're, we're beating the record so we deserve a gold medal and this could be in transition into our first nice A little, oh, beating a, me to the punch. I had no transition today. So the first motion is mine. Woohoo! For the first time in a long time, the motion is the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, which are taking place in theory in Japan. I believe they start on 24th of July. Uh, and these should be canceled. This is my motion for today. The Olympics in Japan should be canceled. Go for it. I'm throwing the bone. You can grab it. Derek and Lydia, you debate. And I'll give my thoughts in a few minutes. Okay, let's do this. I don't want the Olympics. I think uh, Japan should cancel the Olympics for, for two main reasons. Firstly, because it's a health hazard. And secondly, because it's going to send a big message uh, out there that the, the COVID pandemic is still out there. And I think this can be a very good venue to to send that message out because we're all, I think, collectively uh, letting our guard down and this thing is not over, even if the vaccination is, is spreading out and we can feel individually a bit less anxious about this thing. I think this would send a, a world message that, okay, this thing isn't over. We need to, we need to deal with it. Buckle up. All right. Let me before I give my my answer to this. Let me ask you one little question: um, Who should cancel? Huh. Huh. 
Japan should uh, should they be the adults in the room and cancel, or should the Olympic Committee call it off, or or, or should, should athletes the, not show up, or uh, yeah, the visit the the attendees shouldn't show up, just everyone making the right call here. Attendees not showing up isn't canceling the event. It's just the event not having what it needs to take place. Well, it's not actually. Yeah, yeah, but you problem. could say if yes. all if you could assume that a hundred percent of the athletes, not the attendees, the athletes. If a hundred percent of them don't show up, then there's no event. It's but not cancelled. But cancelled. It's it's like um, uh, a, it's not cancelled. But, but it's not happening. The point is, it's not happening, right? That's the main motion. It's not happening. I think it would be much more efficient if the, the event was cancelled rather than boycotted by the, the attendees. Um, even though now that I've said that, maybe maybe not. Maybe it would have the same, the same strength as a message. Does it change uh, your I, answer? I would imagine that it would be either the, the, the host country, so Japan, either the Olympic, Olympic Committee or the OMS or something that would say, okay, the OMS is the is who in English? Is the yes, World, Health, World Organization. Health Organization. Yeah. So, um, so, so let, help me out a little. Um, I explain why I asked back. So here's the thing. We live in a pandemic. The Olympics scared the hell out of many people because it could be a potential super spreader event, right? Um, we have a new variant. And the legitimate question is, what is being done to avoid that this is going to be basically exporting all sorts of new variants everywhere around the globe with people traveling in from everywhere um, to meet and everything? Now, why did I ask? The cost for Japan to prepare for the Olympics was $15 billion. The punishment of calling it off is another $17 billion. And that's not counting the money that's not flowing into the country and um, all the benefits and Olympics that happens in Japan would have and would yield. Now, just as a reminder, the Olympics only in part is an event anymore that's uh, done in person. The television rights, the the pure the pure marketing value of this event is uncountable. Now, this sums up very easily to $50, $60 billion. Now, we are in a global health crisis. So, in general, I agree. The smart thing would be to avoid any in-person encounters of any kinds, right? Um, however, I haven't seen a single country stepping up and saying like, hey, let's collect those damages as a global community. We take the risk and we help Japan through the, these costs. No, everyone I heard so far calling for canceling the Olympics basically more or less expect either the Olympic Committee or Japan to make that call and not do the Olympics. Now, what what is here to balance out? You can do plenty of things to make this event at least as safe as the cinema visits some countries already allow their citizen to do or the, the, the other travels that people all around Europe at least start doing right now. In America, you don't even have to wear a mask anymore. Clearly, the pandemic seemed to be over. Japan actually had several sports events over a while they get, they put very strict regulations on how the athletes have to isolate themselves they put uh, regulations as to what test regimen how they make sure that the visitors are spread out properly and they believe they can make that an as 
safe as possible under the circumstance event and, and strike a balance here. And now if I take look at those two things, nobody wants to pony up the really high cost of canceling the thing. And at the same time, there, there are plenty of sports events happening for a while now around where we had a chance of learning how to do these things in a safe way. And thirdly, the majority of the, the moment of Olympics happens on TV anyway. So it's a global moment of sports where people, mo the majority of people watch it not in a stadium, they watch it on TV. So I would say, uh, let's have it then. Um, because clearly, if uh, if the will to pay for something speaks, nobody really wants to take the responsibility. And I think the risks are, as every risk, somewhat manageable. And that would be my stance on this. You say $56 billion, something like that? Let's say $100 billion. Okay. The cost of the coronavirus worldwide right now is evaluated to nearly $12 trillion. So that's a drop of water. Whatever the the cost that you're yeah. putting in front, a hundred billion doesn't, is a cost is a drop of water. Doesn't feel to uh, the Japanese people like a drop, though. Of course, but I'm. But then that that you, you raise a question about who is going to pay for the the, the cancelling of the event. I'm. I think that's a fair question, and if it is cancelled, I think indeed that there should be a, a worldwide. Um, um, yeah, everybody should pitch in to to, to support that cost for Japan. But your two other points where you say, okay, we know how to do it so that it's not a big health hazard. And anyway, it's not, even if there's no public or, or fewer public than there, sh there usually is, everybody looks on, uh, watches this on TV. So, I mean, we can still have the sports event and, and yeah, and it's fine. That doesn't address my second point, which is actually my 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 main point, which is the message that cancelling would send. I'm not for cancelling all sports events. I think it's important that we we have the Euro, this and that, um, things that make people come together again. And even if there's no physical public in the stadium or limited public in the in the stadium, that's fine. People watch it on the TV in bars and stuff. If bars are open, that's fine. But a worldwide event like this being cancelled because of a worldwide pandemic would send a very strong message. And this is really my main argument. Of course, there's the health hazard, the super event, super spreader event thing. But I agree with you. We, we would know how to go past that. We could have a, a sanitary pass, things like that. But actually, I think the main thing about cancelling this event would... Is, is elsewhere. It's about sending a message rather than actually preventing the super spreader event. Let's talk about sending the message then. Um, so here's a message that Japan would really like to send with this, uh, even before Corona. They are a country that 10 years ago had a nuclear meltdown. Tourism went down. They took an economic hit. They have pl had plenty of problems. They wanted to send a message of, hey, look at this. Olympics are here. We are back. That was the message they intended to send. If it's cancelled, then the next Olympics is happening in China, not in Japan. It's not that Japan gets an extra shot. They basically sunk those costs. 
And having the Olympics cancelled while we do things like the European Soccer Championship right now, uh, have the NBA in the US, have the Eurovision Song Contest happening. There are plenty of potential super spreader events that we allow to happen. And this is the one event where we as a world globally come together. That would be a signal too, right? That we say, even though there is a pandemic, we allow those athletes that in some parts, some of them, or actually all of them, spend their entire life training up to this moment. And it would send a strong signal to have the Olympics just as much as it would send a signal to call them off. So I'm a bit conflicted about that that uh, that that messaging part, um, to be honest. On the messaging aspect, I agree it's a message, but I also wage that it's a message that will go unheard either way. Nobody gives a, a damn about that message. Why? People who want to get vaccinated and who have access to vaccines want to get vaccinated. And we know that right now, Olympics or no Olympics, there's a much bigger problem of convincing people who don't want to get vaccinated for various reasons, for instance. So I actually think, yes, it's a message, but it goes completely unheard. If it doesn't happen, the Olympics, then we'll just forget about it. We're just going to, okay, what's the next thing? To your point, Derek, the career of athletes, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, uh, are every four years, which is an eternity for athletes. Their careers are usually 10 to 15 years at most on average. So not having an Olympics over eight years is, is, a, is, a, is drama for, for an athlete. But why cancel? Because, because we want to make Paris great again. Where are the next Summer Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> 2024 Paris. Woohoo! If we cancel Tokyo, it makes Paris even more important. More anticipation. So I'm for canceling the Tokyo Olympics. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Wow. All right. I think we solved that debate. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Chinsky Clomop uh, uh, dynasty prevailed once more. <laughs> well, you know, I'm also Swiss now, so you talked about the Euro uh, uh, football competition, and France lost to Switzerland a few days ago. So I win either way. Sorry, uh, Derek. <laughs> Germany lost to England. That must have felt uh, quite schizophrenic to watch this. Like, did you know who to cheer for when? When I, when I knew who to cheer for because I I expected France to be either crap or great. They were both. And the problem with the Swiss football team is there's no way they're going to win the competition. It's the first time, the first time they moved to quarterfinals in a major competition in almost seventy years. In 70 years. Do you think they're going to win this competition? Come on. This is the year where Sebastian became a Swiss citizen. Is that, ah, uh, is, happen. Is that an accident? I think not. This oh, is a big friend. year then. Yes. Big year. This big year. year. All right. Second motion. Which one, Dirk? The motion is the time of the professional photographer is over. Even if we can have a professional quality images with our phones and stuff, uh, the, the quality of the, 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 the grain of the photo, the, the texture of the photo and that, that kind of thing, 
Uh, I don't know what the, the English translation for yeah, this we're is. We're using digital uh, cameras for the past 20 years, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, you t- take your photo with the iPhone and the, or, the, or, the, or the Pixel or something, it's not the same yes, pixel. quality okay. as as my my sec- second or third or fourth hand. <laughs> uh, so... We can have quality images, but uh, a good photograph, a professional photograph, isn't just about the quality of the of the image itself. It's also about what how you uh, frame it, what you take. Uh, I mean, Sebastian, you yourself are uh, have started doing videos about how to frame a photograph. So, of course, it's not sufficient to have a good camera, whether it's an actual old-fashioned camera or a phone that takes uh, photos, whatever whatever it is, whatever your camera is, uh, it isn't enough to have a good camera. That doesn't make a good photograph. On the, on the contrary, you can have a shit camera and still take great photos because you know how to frame it, you know how to use your material. The film, the film quality is not going to come from the quality of the, of the camera itself. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be about what you're saying with your, with your photograph, with your film, with how you frame it, what you're trying to say, how you choose your colors and stuff, the lighting. So all this, uh, all this intelligence that you put inside uh, taking a photograph is the added value of a professional photographer. And some people might be very good amateurs and be able to do very good stuff without being professional about it. But most of us, we take shit photographs, even if we have great cameras. So, yeah, that would be my main argument. I agree. I agree that a sense of aesthetics is certainly not mastered by billions of amateurs. I agree with a sense of aesthetics and framing and composition and all of that. But... There is a small selection already, a small percentage, however small, of these trillions of photos which have been taken by anybody, plus if you count the frozen frames captured or extracted from videos, likewise, there's a small fraction which, by chance, would actually be aesthetic, by chance or by design, but it almost doesn't matter. But even if I said all this, it almost does not matter because the premise of the motion is also computed imaging, it's artificial intelligence, and provided you train that model well enough, including with professional photography from the past 100 years, it is undoubtedly true that will come a point when you will not be able to distinguish a photo that has been created by a machine, an artificial image, and will be as pleasing and as aesthetic from a subjective point of view as one taken by a human. Now, we may not be there today, but it's a matter of years, not decades. And therefore, if you add all the tiny fraction of billions and trillions of photos, plus this computed imaging, there will be very, very few people living off professional photography. There will be just input to a database and to a model that will refine the algorithm, but that's it. And that's what's happening. It doesn't mean there will be no professional photographers whatsoever. There will always be a handful who will give maybe, maybe some training to amateurs who want to enjoy clicking on your shutter button. Oh, yeah. It's in a, or, or using your smartphone and say, oh, I have the pleasure of having done this myself as a human, not as a machine. 
she'll have workshops and maybe this will be the new job of a professional photographer. But the professional photographer is selling photos to newspapers, to magazines. I don't think this is this is any any future whatsoever. You can just say, hey, I want a photo of a lizard in the Amazon River in Brazil. It has to be green and red. You'll have no clue whether it's an invented photo or if it's a real photo. No way. I guarantee you in five years' time or in 10 years' time at the most. Two things. Reality changes and aesthetics changes. Reality changes. I'm not going to be able to find a photograph of me uh, in my 40s using, uh, using computer imaging or whatever because that reality doesn't exist yet. So when that reality, re reality comes to play, then I'm going to need an actual photo of me. I mean, we can do aging applications and stuff, but that's never the, the reality. And it's not going to, it's, it's not going to put me in scene in where I, where I am with the, with the, with the feeling, with the emotion that goes with it. So we change places change. So you can, create with artificial intelligence as many reproductions or rearrangements of past realities, but you're not going to be able to capture new realities that didn't exist yet. I think yes, actually. <laughs> and I would actually even say that what you're talking about for yourself is actually um, a trap because this is you're, you're talking about exactly the point about Amateurs, and you want to do photos of yourself or whatever, right? This is not professional Honestly, photography. I wanted to do photos. This is not professional photography. We're talking about people like living off and selling it to newspapers or magazines or art galleries, whether digital or or not digital. Or you can I even you, you can broaden that if you say people making money off photography. That includes people photographing furniture. It includes people taking pictures of mushrooms for books. It includes yes. uh, um, and people taking people. pictures of people. And people taking yes. pictures of people. Or magazines. Yeah. Yes, but or for I, I, professional reasons. I'm thinking about a friend who is a professional photographer and who takes photos of chefs and uh, winemakers and wine tasters. And so he's in this, this food thingy. He's a photographer, but he specializes in everything that goes around food. So food itself, but also all the people around food. And I mean, he's, he's living off this and he's not going to... You're not going to make a photograph of a chef preparing a, a dish through through um, artificial intelligence and send that and and sell that to a magazine. That's not what I said. That's what what I'm saying is the combination of taking photos. You don't have to recreate the entire reality. You could you could totally imagine uh, a living space in in five years time or a studio. Let's say a living space where the entire ceiling is made of sensors. And it's taking videos constantly in high definition. It's not impossible to imagine that. And all this goes into an algorithm and picks the best shots and removes the background and all the shit that is around you on the kitchen table, right? So you have the perfect shot based on all the past shots of portraits and food preparation. So a combination of reality and artificial intelligence okay. this is likely in 99% of the cases to do much better than 99% of the photographers, professional photographers. Now, we're not here today. I'm just telling you, it's pretty obvious to me because for even more complex problems, we're already doing amazing things today with AI. Photography is not the hardest problem, in my opinion. 
This brings me to my second point, which is aesthetics change. And taking the best shot out of all possibilities. Okay, imagine your scenario with the, the billion sensors and everything. It takes the best shot, but it takes the best shot considering the the way that it has been trained according yes. to past aesthetics. And we can see that every decade or even every every couple of years now, aesthetics change. We're not looking for the same the same feeling in, in photographs and images. So I'll interrupt you so here again. You, you can you can throw a variable of randomness, first of all, and secondly, you could even invent new aesthetics. And it doesn't have to be pleasing to your taste or to anyone's taste. For instance, I've seen photographs imitating Van Gogh's painting style. Right? It's 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 mind mind-boggling just to see this and you think it's a painting, and no, it's a photo in using the texture or an inventing painting. So there's no sense of of I mean there there are cultural and artistic trends, yes, and these vary over time. But you can also invent new ones. And a good AI, unfortunately, we're getting there also, will come up with something new. Now, it may, you may not call it aesthetic, but as we all know it, beauty is also in the eye of the beholder. So it may come up with something that is not great today. And what's more, with all these senses and all these videos, you can go back in time, which you cannot when you've taken your photo in one specific way and it's no longer pleasing today, but with your past footage and exabytes and terabytes of data, you can recreate something based on past data, which a professional photographer will never be able to do. Okay, maybe we can do just as well, uh, just as great photographs uh, with AI and everything. I think there's still people who are going to value uh, th that work, that the fact that an actual human being is taking the photograph and that all the all the the, the the work that goes behind it. Exactly like I value. Uh, local shops uh, above Amazon, even if I'm paying more money and then I'm not sure that I'm going to get just as good as a, a product as I can get on the internet. Uh, I still take a, a, a political and social stance doing that. I think there are enough people in the world that are going that are ready to take that that political and social stance in supporting actual human photographers uh, that that profession is not dead anytime soon all right now i take the liberty of wrap, uh, wrapping up and i share what i believe and where this is coming from so i as both of you i believe know i'm a passionate photographer as well so i believe uh, that photography is an awesome thing so yeah and i do love taking a real camera and i do love framing shots and i'm not disputing that you can create art with with the camera right this is the piece where i think this will always be around you will always find people who enjoy taking photographs with cameras um, however there are multiple layers what i my motion said was like the time of the professional is over now you wouldn't believe what crap a professional photographer does all day long i would say 90 percent ah, well more than 90 percent of of uh, things professional developers do is is stuff that you can easily replicate i'm much more with sebastian here um and we already started doing that um you you started by saying hey the picture of an iphone is not as cool as the picture a camera can produce that's actually not true anymore like a, a camera um there's even a campaign called shot with iphone where professional great photographers were using smartphones even today people need to know less and less about photography in order to make uh, photos that people enjoy and per perceive as 
professional grade. Not long ago, you had to know a certain degree of physics and how to handle the damn thing to even get it sharp. Like uh, you, you need to know your way around a camera to take a sharp picture to start with and then not to talk about framing it well and all these things. Today, you can basically throw your smartphone up in the air and it, uh, have it on a self-timer and the picture you get is likely to be even sharp. You can do things like night shots and an AI model knows that you try to photograph a skyline and just make sure that even though you got everything wrong in terms of settings, the result looks pleasing to the eye and perfectly sharp. That's uh, something where, where form, uh, photographers in the past had to put a tripod up and, and have every setting right and even calculate if you had a long exposure, calculate what that does to the shifting um, of uh, of the light waves on the on the on the film and everything, right? So we are in a time where cameras do more and more themselves. If you buy a modern day camera in a store and you go out, the camera detects birds in the scene and offers to you to sh to keep them sharp for you so you can take the picture whenever you like and with one press of a button you can take 120 pictures and then pick the one that looks the nicest this is this is where we are right now and this is not like in 10 uh, 10 years Professional photographers often are paid that they take pictures that are well framed, that are well lit, that are sharp, and that are well uh, uh, are useful for for the purposes you take. Um, they are not taking necessarily artistic pictures. And I argue, if you if you um, take modern technology, a lot of this can be replicated. It can help you selecting the right frame. It can even teach you a little bit. And yes, it's going to be a mass taste in most senses. Those models kind of. Um, conform to the middle ground they are trained by what most people enjoy and they give you what most people enjoy but the fact of the matter is most people enjoy what they see all day long so if you go to instagram this is that there are even there are even fun accounts making jokes out of that uh that that trends in instagram are replicated thousand folds because people think it's original to have a picture where your your feet are dangling over a high ground or you you take a picture out of a van to a nice scenery or all these things are the, those pictures Pictures uh, that picture trend where you see a woman pulling uh, pulling uh, her friend or partner behind her while going somewhere. All these pictures are basically trends, and yes, they will shift and change. But those models are trained in a matter of days, so it's not that this is very complex to do. And all the routine tasks you pay photographers right now, those routine tasks will can be taken by everyone. So. The final thing was uh, newspapers, press photography. We already see this disappearing. When you're you're participating in an event right now where something happens, everyone around you will pull out their phone and start filming that and start taking pictures of that. Chances are, even if your pictures are crap, the guy next to you may have had the better eye. And there is an algorithm picking the right shot of these, these scenes, and that will appear, on, because it's high resolution these days, it will appear in newspapers just the same. And because these are the trends, what we see is stock photography doesn't make any money anymore, so people taking actually really professional pictures try to sell them and in stock agencies and those those pictures sell by the cents these days um, um, portrait photography is done more and more privately press photography is crowdsourced so i do think there will we will approach a time where where hobbyists and artists buy expensive camera gear just because they can and enjoy it and the everyday business of photography will be taken uh, over by by machines which is basically smartphones that's what i fear at least i'm not welcoming this but i do think this is where we're adding and how about people supporting supporting that 
old-fashioned uh, activity, then, if we have to call it old-fashioned. Well, think about it. If you had to go to a studio to take a portrait picture, for instance, right where right now um, you went there because you knew the guy has professional lighting, professional equipment, and will produce a professional result. Nowadays, you can take a a, a so and so picture with your phone, throw a throw that picture towards an app that uses AI to fix the lighting, fix maybe even even make you smile, even though you didn't smile, and you're done. So I would say there is there is a, a pretty big uh, big space where we will be fine with the pictures we take. Also, don't forget that people get better at this. So we live in an incredible uh, visual world. People grow up with nothing but pictures and, and movies these days. So even the generation right now takes better videos and pictures than I took at the same age. Um, I do think we are getting better at this and that also costs professionals their jobs, right? So yeah, there will be still Uh, maybe there will be still a fraction of people making a living out of being a celebrity photographer or something like that. But the everyday mom and pop photo studio, I think they will disappear. They already start disappearing, actually. Just uh, concurring and the fact that uh, maybe the the only chance for photographers and, you know, I don't I don't know your friend Lydia. It's not to speak about his his work, yeah, but really the point is that the the knowledge that we have here the three of us, about what technology can or cannot do today is not yet widely known. But it is in the hands, it is becoming accessible and affordable. But there is still a small opportunity, which is dying, which is going away, that you can still monetize the lack of awareness. You know, people are not aware yet that with a very good maybe camera or software, you can actually do what Dirk is saying. So you you may have that opportunity still. Or you find a niche, but in all... I think what the, the the main motion here is the entire market is just it's just going downhill from here. It's not going to go uphill uh, from from where we are at this point. Yeah, it's also like even it even goes worse. Uh, uh, gets worse. There is there are um, professional picture agencies that give you free of charge pictures because if I'm a photographer, I can decide to just set my pictures free like a uh, public domain and there is a growing number of uh, amateur photographers who do just that and if you go to a place like pixabay where i source the pictures for to debate for instance you can find incredibly professional looking photographer uh, pho photographers who do, don't even have to pay any royalty for it and so uh, more and more like like the pictures you would pay a photographer for to give you for your web page nobody pays for that anymore unless you're really uh prestigious and you want to make sure that you really uh down uh, got your corporate identity down right um um magazines these kind of things uh, what i believe what may hold a little bit longer is if you do something unique so if you're really an artist making money out of art if you're if you're finding a style that people are willing to pay for that is new um, i think that may hold water a little longer but that's not the same as the large number of professional photographers out there right i think there's another domain of, of prof professional photography that that will remain is all these wedding photographers and and uh, baby photographers and things like that. All these events in your life where you want actual photographs of the actual event, pregnancy, weddings, I don't know, school diploma, whatever it is that you cherish as a moment in your life and want to make a souvenir out of. And 
especially when it's an event like a wedding or something. Of course, you could take your own photographs. You could uh, rely on the attendees to take the photographs. But because we, so there's two things. You said we live in a time of, of, of image, of visual content. I agree with that. And I think that makes this desire to, to, take, to take pictures of these events even more um, uh, intense. And so I think that we, we even more want to have great images uh, of these events. So that makes us probably more prone to pay someone for this. And the second thing is that I think we're getting conscious that taking photo, uh, photo, uh, photograph is not living the moment. So when you have that kind of event, you don't want to live the event and think about trying to frame the good, the, the right picture. I think there is consciousness growing about this, that you can't be in the moment and be preparing to communicate about the moment, the moment at the same time. It's not exactly, you're not exactly in the same frame of mind when you're taking a photograph as when you're just attending and, and just, yeah, yeah, while I, while um, I agree with that in, in principle, it's not what we see in reality, right? So prices for wedding photographers are falling and falling and falling and have been falling for years. And by now, they cannot do just photography anymore. They have to be movie makers as well. And they have to be design uh, um, consultants uh, to some extent. So they, they need to... The, um, the photographers making a living out of wedding photographer are forced to, to move out and branch out into new media and new services all the time right now because photography is not enough anymore um, and the other part where I feel like reality is contradicting us here is maybe this is not the same as experiencing it yet I see people looking through the world through their phones to the world all the time if anything it's even getting more maybe maybe we will see phones or or camera technology that will become more um, that moves more in the back. I don't know. There's a wedding. You put you put ten cameras uh, um, all around the room, and afterwards you let an AI sort out the best snapshots, and you're done. I think this is not an an unrealistic vision for mm. in ten to twenty years time. And then you basically, yeah, it comes down to buying a bit of hardware, right? And maybe even the location has it. Anyway, I think we are well okay. over time on this. So well over time. Yeah, no, but it was really interesting. I, I learned some stuff. Thanks. All right. Motion number three, it's yours, Lydia. What is it? My motion is that uh, visibility or media coverage, if which is one part of visibility, but just to make sure everybody understands what I, what I mean by that, visibility uh, serves equality. It's probably the shortest motion we've ever had. It's three words. Visibility serves equality. I I don't pretty think efficient. this is as short as we ever had, but uh, if you say so, your text the rich was pretty short too. Ah, or, yes, or you're boring right. is yeah. doomed. You're right. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's one of the shortest then. <laughs> but once I agree short. with you, Facebook is dead. All right, I'm going Dear. to the back. Graffiti is Dear. vandalism. Sorry, I'm going Hello. on a tangent here. <laughs> Hello, come back to us. You need to hear a, a little... So, um, visibility increases <laughs> equality. So uh, just for me to understand, what you mean is uh, like uh, making sure... 
uh, all sorts of people not only the majority is has a stage is visible can express themselves okay for context it's been the, it's it was the gay pride not long ago in paris so this brings lots of debates in the public arena about gay transgender that kind of those identities those uh, minorities and what how they are represented in the in the public arena. So, of course, I wanted to broaden subjects, so I didn't want to, to focus only on gender identity, uh, but branch out to all types of minorities. Okay. Minorities, true or perceived. I'm thinking also about, for example, women in the public arena. Uh, not Maybe not today, but at, at one point, um, women weren't very present in the, in the public arena. So... How does visibility of different uh, social groups, whatever, whatever the the the, this, the their specificity is, it can be age, gender, skin color, uh, religion, whatever. Visibility of these different social groups helps to to make for a more egalitarian uh, society. All right. So I took it from the angle of media coverage. And the if you look at the use of social media, personal websites, blogs, videos, then I think it's undoubtedly true that more and more people are on, on an equal footing in terms of access. Now, they may not get to the point of being or feeling equal, which is the point of the motion, But it's one step towards that. If you have access, then we can talk about possible equality at some point. So I can't, I don't know if it's really helping or increasing equality. So I'm not as cutthroat in my defense of the motion. But I would say that it's already one step forward and does provide visibility. In fact, I'll give one example. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to check it out just for the sake of understanding what people are raving about these days. If you look at one of the most influential TikTok influencers these days uh, and who's rising extremely fast is actually a Senegalese immigrant living in Italy. He's probably in his 20s, early 20s or late teens, 19-year-old or something called Kabi. He has something like 70 million followers and he's gathering a million or two a day and he's soon the number one on TikTok. And it's very simple. And he's obviously Senegalese, means very dark skin color does not have the Italian citizenship for various reasons. And actually, it's some of the content is, is by, the way, by the way, sexist, the irony of the situation. But that's not the point. The point is people are rallying and copying him and praising him uh, because of his aesthetics and his funny short video clips on TikTok, which are also making their way to Instagram. I know I'm taking an anecdote, but by seeing if 17 million people follow a black dude from Senegal living in Italy, which is not the least racist country in Europe, Italy, then maybe it helps a little bit to inspire other people who feel discriminated against by thinking, you know what? I can be visible too. I can do the same stupid pranks or videos that this guy's doing and get some visibility. So I don't know if it serves equality, but it's one step towards that. And that's the main line of argument I have. The easier access to social media and content creation in the hands of anybody. You're not relying on the privately funded media uh, like newspapers or TV stations, which is probably very hard to get into if you're not a representative of that private interest group. 
All right. So, a <clears throat> couple of things here. First, I'd like to unpack this a little bit. So, I do think we all have immediately a picture in mind what we mean when we say visibility and equality. Those are words we, we have a connotation. We kind of feel like, oh, it's a good thing and it's about the groups of people that we do want to see more supported. And also, we kind of confuse e uh, um, equality with, with proper balance or same same rights and all these things and it's actually not necessarily the same thing so what do i mean we like to pick who we want to make visible and who not uh, otherwise if we really would be after equality then the fact uh, wouldn't be worthy of being called out that the guy is uh, sexist as you said or some of his jokes are maybe he's not sexist maybe some of his content is or some of the readings that you can have about this content some interpretations and I do think it shows an interesting ambiguity that it's kind of hard to pick what what you decide is the visible part. So he's a Senegalese guy living in Italy. So what is the visible part that uh, that becomes uh, uh, dominant here? Is it is it the fact that he's Senegalese? Is it the fact that he's an immigrant in Italy? Is it the fact that he's he's uh, um, someone less visible on on TikTok than somewhere else? So I have I have doubts. Um, we are making up the rules on the go, and we make up the rules based on what we believe right now the problem of the hour is and so i'm not sure if we actually reach um equality sometimes we just reach more emphasis on something without actually solving for the root problem give you an example it's decades now that we talk about women earning less money that should be pretty visible by now still women are still earning le less money than men for equal work this is still a problem dominated all over the world um i don't think that visibility had anything to do with it where we are right now um the fact of the matter is that we are discussing more than actually solving for the problem uh same true with uh, the discussions we have about uh pronouns for instance some people argue talking about pronouns is a, pl a placeholder debate that avoids the real issue which is that people are discriminated that are not conforming to the mainstream society instead of doing that we give them visibility and surface them through pronouns that's not actually leading to equality it's just surfacing that there are people that sometimes then as a result are even more discriminated so i do think we we confuse correlation and causality i also think we pick the ones that we just enjoy the most or that we feel like the, the, they deserve it well we are not we're not surfacing everyone and not everyone who is visible becomes the full level of equality we would like them to see having so yeah overall I disagree with the motion I don't think visibility equals equality I think it may be an, a side effect of equality so, so if you're more equal you can you have more chances to become visible it might be sometimes in some cases a step in the right direction as you said Sebastian in other cases you may see people be getting more visible and nothing changes at all because society doesn't doesn't give a damn so it's uh, I, I don't think this one one depends on the other and I don't think one causes the other I mostly agree with you, as you also agreed partially with me. So I think it's just a, a, a notion of degree to what extent visibility, as you said, is either a cause, consequence, or correlated in one way or another or goes in parallel. I do think, I do maintain that I see this as a step uh, towards it. It can be a step backwards at times because it can be a backlash. For instance, I'll give you an example. If you see too much of one thing, then you actually draw people away from it. For instance, imagine you have, I don't know, a, a channel that caters only to 
an audience of a particular religion, it's unlikely that someone from another religion would go to that channel, right? So you're actually maybe even making the other people worried and saying, oh, these guys are fanatics. So visibility can actually have a, a step backward to your point, Dirk. So I'm saying it's a step. It can be a step forward. And I gave it, I think, a positive example, despite what I call sexism. And by the way, it's not highlighted much, which is interesting. It's actually me highlighting it because I read it uh, and I saw some of the videos because I was curious, but it's actually not held against that person. So it's actually quite interesting that uh, at least he's not getting canceled. And we had another debate about the cancel culture. So to wrap up, I think I agree with actually most of what you said. I do think it's a step forward on average. I think there's, and you know more by psychology than I do, that visibility generally helps with making people aware of issues. Now, you may not solve the problem, but it raises the awareness aspect. And uh, again, as I just said, and as you said, sometimes it can be negative. Uh, overall, I do hope it's a it's a step towards positive um, so, progress. Yeah, so I, I agree with uh, the hope that this leads to it. I, I have to add a wrinkle as well to, to, you, to the me being against emotion. I'm a bit of a photo history nerd, right? And one of the things we love to believe is that there are pictures out there that change the world. I'm doing a podcast about photo history. One of the things that I do to uh, talk about in that podcast occasionally are those iconic pictures where people like to believe they change the world. An example is that picture of the drowning boy we, that really hurt me in my soul when we had to see that a couple of years ago. Yeah, the Syrian boy on the Turkish shore. The right? Syrian boy on the Turkish shore. And people claim that this made people aware of the refugee crisis. Well, if the, if it made people aware of the refugee crisis, the cynical Dirk now says, like, they don't give a shit about it, clearly, because they never drowned more people in that particular uh, uh, crisis than last year. And it, they keep drowning despite that picture and countless other pictures like that. So... There is to the point, I think there is visibility can raise an issue, but visibility can produce a backlash, visibility can be ignored, visibility sometimes leads to not equality, but by overemphasis to overemphasis or the opposite. I don't think those two are related, unfortunately, but visibility usually is also not a bad thing. So I'm not arguing against visibility. I just don't think they are as tightly connected as I wish they would be. I would boy, would that be awesome if only the only thing we have to solve for is visibility and things will follow. Lydia, wrap up. Uh, yeah, I think we've raised quite a series of interesting questions. First, first of it is uh, what, equality, what is equality that we're talking about? Is it equality of volume? Like, can we hear you as much as the other people? Uh, or is it equality of rights? Or is it another type of equality? I think this is quite central to the motion to, to understand what equality we're talking about. The effect of, of visibility will change uh, depending on the context. If you're in a context of hate, then visibility will create even more hate. So this is happening with, I don't know, Muslims, uh, because we're in, in France in particular, we're uh, associating this religion to terrorism in a really uh, stupid short, shortcut way. Um, it can be the same for transgender and, and this kind of if you're if you're already opposed to that to the actual the, to the the sole existence of these people, then seeing them is, is going to make you enraged even more. Uh, whereas if you see a minority, if there's a visibility in a con context of agreement, 
of yeah, something more positive, then, okay, you can make new stances acceptable progressively because there's a general acceptance of people, of points of views, of this kind of yeah, new stances. And so if collectively there's more agreement, then these images become more acceptable and more, more normal. So I think the context is very, very central to what the effect is of visibility. And the last point that I want to, to point out is that I think there's, there's two levels to uh, this notion. There's the individual and the group level. I think whether visibility brings equality is very different um, uh, if you think about the social group level. Maybe it can help at that level. Maybe progressively, if there's, uh, if there's the right angle, if all this is, is talked about in the right way, maybe things can become more acceptable at a social level. But at the individual level, I think the, the stories are, are much more complicated because as an individual, you're confronted to other individuals and, and it can go very, very wrong or very right. And so I, at the individual level, I'm not sure that visibility brings equality in any way. I think it's uh, if you have uh, an issue with equality, equality of rights or equality of, of the right to speak, even if it's just that right, uh, that single right. Uh, I think at an individual level, um, trying to, to, to bring that to, to the agenda is, is very hard. And yeah, I think it's, it's, not, it's not easy to bring about equality through visibility at an individual level. I think that people who, who engage in that, in that combat uh, somehow sacrifice their own uh, energy and lives for the hope that at a bigger level, at a, a social level, uh, visibility will help uh, equality even though, as we've said before, that's a very risky, uh, risky stance. I, I also, I would also um, add to what you were saying, not, hiding things away is not a solution either. And there are plenty of topics where making things visible may help to normalize them. An example that we, I think, um, debated over in the past as well was colorblind auditioning for roles in movies or stuff like that. You can have a, a very heated debate over this, but in the end, what it will lead to is you will be more used to see people um, of a variety of ethnic backgrounds being able to play all sorts of roles without being forced into certain stereotypes. And the more you get used to see that, the more likely it becomes that as a society, you're not as surprised anymore and not tempted to take an adverse stance against it. So that may go into that direction that we say that at least, at least it's it uh, depending on the on the issue we talk about, visibility may um, help the agenda. It's not leading necessarily to equality, but it helps remove some of the roadblocks, which is, I believe, maybe a good step um, and definitely worth doing. I believe. It's funny that you mentioned that because um, when I was one thing that triggered this motion is that I heard about this actor I don't know his name the guy who played in uh, Prison Break <laughs> who who's who said publicly that he's gay and that he's not going to take any more cinema roles that are not of a gay man so he could play anything until then but then he decided that 
he doesn't want to play a heterosexual man. He wants to play only gay men. And I think it goes in uh, in the in in the direction of what you were saying right now. It's 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 finding um, megaphones like people who who will serve as megaphones for certain uh, social groups and incarnate them in the public eye. And I think that indeed people with that uh, fame and everything can afford to do this. And this maybe indeed can serve equality, this kind of visibility, because he already has a fan base. He already has plenty of people who love him as an actor, who love him as a person, whatever, and who are going to adhere more uh, easily to what he's defending because they like the guy. But that's... that comes after. Yeah, it's the not, main, didn't start the main, from there. So, main yeah. actor of Prison Break is Wentworth Miller. And I had no idea that that was his name. Uh, Wentworth Miller. I think All right. that's the guy. I hope I'm not mixing names. It, it, names it is the guy. Name. I know the story too. I did check. <laughs> Trivia questions. Five minutes. I'll uh, throw a bunch of questions. Hopefully, Dirk, you do not know the answers. <laughs> you, I will throw the questions at both of you. You try to answer those questions as quickly as possible. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. All right. How many stripes exist on the US flag? How many? 15. You said 15. No, less. 12, I said. More. 13. 14. Yes. You have to. Come on, come on. You have to be able to wait. <laughs> yeah. One point for Lydia. What is, be careful, what is the national animal of Australia? Dodo. <laughs> the koala. No. <laughs> the kangaroo. The yes, but which color? Blue. No. Red. Red. It is the red kangaroo. One Woo-hoo. point, a uh, half a point for each of you, I guess. Uh, one point for each. All right. Two, one. In what year? The, the red kangaroo, by the way, is the largest of all kangaroos. It's actually a real animal. It's not like... <laughs> Is uh, it kangaroo po- painted is it, in red? Is it poisonous? I mean, it's an Australian animal. It's to increase visibility for the red kangaroo. <laughs> when, in what year, in what year did Const- Constantinople become Istanbul? Uh, 1920? I don't know. Almost. 1922? Almost. 1980? 1923. <laughs> 1923. 1923. Three points for you, Lydia. One for Dirk. Which country? It's a country. Has the highest number of islands? Uh, Indonesia. Nope. Philippines. Philippines. Nope. Uh, Papua New Guinea. Nope. Much closer to home. France. Spain? Nope. France is the greatest in everything. Yes, but no. Denmark? <laughs> not far from Denmark, but it's not Denmark. Sweden? Sweden. Uh, what is it? Sweden is correct. Sweden. Is the correct answer. All the tiny, tiny things. Four yeah. points for you. And the next question's connected to this. How many islands? 9,000. Way more. 20,000. Way more. 100,000. Way more. 500,000. Less. <laughs> Woo. 500,000. Less. Less. I I thought you said yes. <laughs> 300,000. Less. Less. 200,000. Yes, 220,000 islands. You learned wow. something. Yes. So you, we can have our own island after all. 
You can't have your own <laughs> island after all. You're like, is it just a rock or is it? I have no idea. Basically, every it. Swede get their own island. There's a great <laughs> website called Google Earth or Google Maps. I suggest you go there and count. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> what is? Careful, it's an easy one. It's the only easy one, probably. What is the capital city of the following country? Canada. Montreal. Wrong. <laughs> now, that's interesting. I thought that would be the easiest. Ah. Uh. I, I don't know want to know what I, I had in geography in school. All right, I'll give you the first letter of the name of the city. It starts with O. Osaka. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. <laughs> Oslo. That's what's the other country. Oslo. Orlando is not in Canada. All right, I guess you don't have the answer. Zero points for you. It's Ottawa. Ottawa. Yes, this is the capital city of Canada. Wow. No, Federal I did not capital know. City. All right. Which language has the highest number of words according to dictionaries? Chinese. Nope. The, the highest number of what characters? Words. 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 Yes, according to a dictionary, like having a physical dictionary. Is it an, an Asian language? You give me a language. French. Indian. No. German. No. Indian. No. Chinese. Russian. Nope. nope. Japanese. Nope. Much closer to home. Spanish. <laughs> nope. nope. Portuguese. Nope. Swiss. No. <laughs> <laughs> Italian. Nope. Danish. English? English. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me too. I was surprised. You now, lie. Sub <laughs> subsequent question, how many words? Hey, just on that, on that note, just a note on that. <laughs> I remember uh, an English class. I was maybe in, I was maybe 12 years old. We were reading Shakespeare and our English literature teacher told us, if there's a word in Shakespeare that you do not understand, look no further, it means whore. Because there are so many English <laughs> words that mean whore, and Shakespeare is just a master of, of spelling that. How many ways? And Derek, you know what? It's good that neither of us came up with that example. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, All right. How many words in English? True story. True story. I believe you. I would say 40,000. More. 80,000. More. 200,000. Yes. Just like the, the number same of islands. Number as, because you said there was a link with the Swedish islands. I remember now. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Three more. Almost done. <laughs> it's a year. It's a year in history. When, what year marked the opening of the London Underground? What year? 1817. Ooh, very close. 16. No. 18. Later. Later. 19. Later. 20. It's later. I misheard initially. It's 18 yeah, it's, something. Yeah, you heard 17. 1870 yes. then. 1871. 18 no. is a bit too early for the 72. Railroad, Underground Railroad. 69. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Something around 1870. 1863. All right. I was a bit surprised it was actually that yeah. early. But you had a good uh, punch. It was, but it was, no. It was not the first uh, underground though right um i do think there was another one that was earlier but anyway i wonder if it was the paris one no i think the paris one is the first one because yeah. the french are always the best at everything except football when they decide to lose against switzerland all right yeah that's not how important. many it's a number 
How many keys are Five. on a standard piano? 108. Less. 63. More. 82. 72. More. 89. Less. 87. 88. More. 88. Because it's a multiple of eight, of course. Yes. Uh, all right, there are last. He's in uh, Octave. Yeah. Yeah, Do one of us it. is not a musician. <laughs> Listen, last you can't question. Get everything right. Yeah, it's a brand. Yes. <laughs> what is Nike's original name? Sekin. No. <laughs> Same thing. I don't know. I have um, no idea. No clue. All right. Tick. No. Tick. All right, if you don't know, mm. the answer is, and I did not know this either, Blue Ribbon Sports. No, thank God I know that now. Yeah. Well, I do think it was not Blue Sports because the acronym would be BS, but anyway. <laughs> so wh why did they change to Nike then? Mr. Trivia question. I have no idea. You'll have okay. to look it up. I will look us it next up. Time. All right. All right, that's it. That's all I had for you. I did not prepare trivia questions for Sebastian. Did you, Zik? Did you, do you think Sebastian expected us to after the disaster of last time? <laughs> we gave it, we gave it all last time. <laughs> but we need to do this again now. Next time, next right. time I pick out random books behind me and ask him something about it. You can, you can pick any of these random books behind me. <laughs> all right. So. That, that's a wrap. Go on, Dirk. You wrap up. Yes, it was a pleasure, it was fun, it was controversy, it was passion and argument, everything good debating podcast episode needs. So thank you, Lydia, thank you, Sebastian, for, uh, for the motions and for making this a fun one. Thanks for our, uh, to our audience for listening in. And uh, hey, if there is anything you disagree over or any additional aspect you want to add to the debate or any motions to suggest... We, we have to say we, we actually barely hear anything about uh, from our audience. So I think our audience could be more active or or we have a motion that uh, we need a motion that that pulls them out of their of their their quiet uh, shelters. What is a, how would you say that Sebastian say it in good English for me? Lure them out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Kick their asses. Don't, don't Kick get their him asses. started. No, don't you, say it like you, that. If you stuck around long enough to get to this rant of mine, now <laughs> <laughs> give us some feedback, will ya? Uh, or suggest a motion or reach out with uh, a little little greeting. We would really appreciate it. Uh, mail at twodebate.net would be a good address for that. Um, but we are also on social media. We are easy to find. Ping us. Um, and or go to the webpage to debate.eu or .net both actually work and leave us a comment under the episode that's also a possibility so it was a pleasure okay. let's wrap this up <laughs> <laughs> see you next time see you bye. soon bye bye